0: Hello and welcome to the 14 Questions Podcast.
1: Or, you know, hell, welcome back.
0: We've been here a while this evening. (laughs) And we're just getting around to the introduction, so.
1: It's sort of crazy, so we cover a lot of stuff here, but today we're going to cover um, some SSH.
0: Some SSH, you say? Like secure Mm -hmm. shells?
1: No, sometimes shit happens.
0: <laughs> I mean, we can cover that too, yeah. Every it's once fair. in a while, you're reminded that we're all at the mercy of the technology that we use, and uh, from time to time, it wins. Mm. Tonight being mm. one of those. It just beats on you. Well, it won
1: a few Sorry. battles at this point. We're, we're winning the war, as they say. I, I, I don't, don't speak so soon, my friend. We might have to test this audio before we go to break. We'll see what happens, right? right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, for those listening, we're struggling with a new new recording platform because we're testing out some, you know, new technologies and the potential of being able to live stream while simultaneously recording audio and video, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when you try and get those sorts of modern solutions and platforms integrated with, both digital and analog hardware, eh, you get some stumbling blocks. It's It's like a ghost in the machine. Uh, The last episode we did, uh, it worked fine. This time, not so much. So, you know, we don't know. And speaking of last episodes, apologies to everybody out there who listens regularly. Uh, We didn't miss an episode last week. Lots of things in life going on. And, well,
1: we're back this week. Maybe. Maybe. In theory, anyway, yeah. And, and if anybody's followed us along the time, we can't blame this on the dog ate our episode. This is just purely like two really smart tech guys just slamming our heads together. He, he didn't eat the episode; he threw up on
0: it. It was, it was just ruined. Well, I mean, that
1: was fair. we'll always blame the we can teddy. Only use It'll it be H- fine. Once. Yeah, yeah. You can only use it once.
0: Again, he he ate it once. He threw up on it once. The next time he'll pee on it. Uh, and the next time, well, we're, we're running out of bodily fluids, so you know, the drill More excuses. Yeah. Get that thing neutered. Would you? <laughs> I mean, there's that. Oh, Teddy snip snip.
1: Anyhow, do you want to take a quick break to check this audio? And then we can actually tell people what we're talking
0: about. I feel like that might be a reasonable move just to make sure, yeah. uh, that we we have a, a functioning podcast in the works and we're not burning burning the midnight oil have to okay. produce nothing. Tech break, tech break, folks. Sit tight, stand by. Tech one, tech two. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: Well, here we are. That was a, um, technically not a break. It was a technical break. (laughs) Just a little bit of both, right? Like, are we
0: having technical difficulties or technical difficulties?
1: I don't know. I mean, fair enough, but, but better we do that rather than, you know, listeners have to listen to what we listen to for, I don't know how long right now. Yeah. Dan,
0: Dan's Dan's side, uh, it was, was a constant echo. You got to hear them twice.
1: Yeah, or three times.
0: Or, or three times, yeah. yeah. With, within a matter of seconds, it was really a rather brutal.
1: So, right. always what are we talking about? SSH, man. Yeah, sometimes uh, shit happens. Okay, that's fair enough. So, now we're taking chips.
0: Chips it is, yeah. Potato chips? What are we talking about? Wavy lays?
1: We we, we're going to get to that, but we discussed this beforehand, right? Tortilla chips? We talked. Don't make me hungry, because (laughs) we we, we've discussed chips in the past, and you know computers and this and that and the other. The other thing we've discussed is money. Um, and since we're hungry, we're going to have to discuss obviously potatoes and potato chips. Um, but yeah, chips, chips and money.
0: I like it. And chips, salt. chips as money.
1: Chips as money. That's exactly where we're going. There we are. There we are. Just yeah, a, You know more about this than I do.
0: I mean, I know a little bit. Definitely not my area of expertise by any means.
1: But it's kind of fascinating. So you know, basically in in this country. Well, imagine everywhere. You know the whole idea of like putting cash on the table wasn't advantageous. So I guess you, you took it over to somewhere and then they brought you chips and you gambled.
0: Yeah. If we're talking in a gaming capacity, cash on the table can be really bad for a lot of reasons. (laughs) I
1: can't imagine why.
0: I don't, you know, it's the emotions get higher when there's cash on the table, the snatch and grab you know, runaway aspect. Um, the uh, well, in instances of illegal gambling, you know, the, the cash is the smoking gun. If not, you're just playing cards, right? Gotcha. Uh, like there's there's some there's some advantages for having this surrogate money at a gaming table, whether that be you know to keep the cash in a safe place. Well, people enjoy the gambling. The psychological reduction of investment when it's just chips instead of cash or, you know, protecting yourself if you get raided in an underground gambling den. You go, hey, hey, we're not gambling here. We're just playing cards for chips. These have no
1: monetary value. And so on and so forth, so. So apparently they were invented in the 1840s. At least from the notes I'm pulling up but basically that's also like a lot of things that we cover on, you know, unfortunately they're saying that's not the case because this guy, Richard Canifield gets accredited for inventing these things.
0: Interesting. I wonder, I wonder if it's the actual
1: invention or if it was, it a patent he he has. No, he's accredited for the, the, some of these first chips that were made out of ivory. Oh, nice! Back into the 1840s and stuff. Another <laughs> referral, and I mean, obviously, <laughs> these things are worth some fucking money.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we're talking about that. Uh,
1: They're probably worth more than the money.
0: There that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, at this point, point, it's kind of funny how that works yeah. out. You know, modern modern poker chips being made of clay in high end uh, establishments, or you know, plastic at a home game. That makes sense, but yeah, if I wanted a set of you know, five hundred ivory poker chips. I imagine. I imagine it would uh, cost me a little bit of money. You probably, to say yeah, the least. So,
1: but going to your your whole point, they do not mention this under the psychology of these things. They mention, you know, it separates you mentally as a gambler. You know, if you're vulnerable to money little easier for big bets. You know, you can push them across the table. It doesn't mention the whole, if you get rated doing something illegal. I didn't think of that one. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I did. If you, if you just, you know, they sell like just colored poker chips that don't even have denominations on them, you know, like red, white, and blue, right? You, you could make the argument and we're just playing cards. Like these are, just, these have no value. You know, it's just a way of tracking who's, who's winning.
1: Monopoly money.
0: It's, it, monopoly money has denominations. So one, it, it's more of a leap mm. uh, there to, uh, to go, and eh, maybe these are representative, but if you, if you had just colored chips and everybody knew what color was what and you cashed out later, then one could make the argument,
1: yeah, we're not gambling. We're simply mm. playing for fun. I mean, you consider when you play Monopoly, gambling? I mean, I have building extraordinary (laughs) fucking wealth and trying to destroy somebody.
0: I did Did all of the above.
1: Yes. Okay, fine. We'll have to do a deep dive on Monopoly at some point in time. Because you know
0: that would actually be a fun one to do. That, That covers a lot of bases.
1: Yeah, the whole you don't just get out of jail thing. You know, sometimes you have to go to fucking jail. You know. But yeah, this seems to be a, a thing that started and then the, the casinos, they, they went to plastic and then I guess people being people would bring their own chips and try to put them like sneak them in.
0: Yeah, sure. There was, yeah. there's been multiple incidents, you know, over the years of people counterfeiting poker chips and trying to sneak them into an establishment, Oh, which is, you know, partly why every casino has their own chips now, right? Like that was an initial deterrent, and then people got good at molding them. So,
1: you know, we started well, to that do and things. And there's, there, there's sort of the whole etymology that I won't go into tonight because, you know, we're, we want to do a short, fun kind of podcast, and it's taken a long time because of technical issues. But yeah, there was a whole etymology behind the whole branding, and the casinos knew their chips. I mean, this is before inserting RFID and some other technical stuff that you can do now. These days, I imagine they track them pretty closely.
0: Oh, yeah, because they're as good as cash. You know, you go to a place like Monte Carlo or Las Vegas. Uh, those those things have more unique identifiers
1: than are visible to the naked eye. Now, I don't know this. Can you, can you leave with them?
0: Uh, as far as I know, yes. Hmm. You know, I mean, if you, if you want to take a souvenir chip that's worth 50 bucks, that's fine. You could always bring it back, but it better be the real deal.
1: Like with a sack.
0: Yeah. Huh. I mean, I've left with some, so (laughs) nobody tried to stop me. (laughs) You know, little souvenirs. You're like, I'm going to keep my, uh, my $1, $5 chips here and there from casinos I've gone to. Why
1: not? This is kind of fascinating so i in in I came across a thing so what's the what's the card company y- you'd know this being the illusionist if if folks are just listening to us for the first time, Brandon has a, a vast wealth of experience when it comes to you know illusion and some other things or, or you know we'll just call them shady Anyhow.
0: <laughs> what's, what's, I know a lot about a little and a little about a lot so
1: what's the what's the prevalent what's the card company because <laughs>
0: I mean, there are a few out there, but, they I mean, it, probably the most prevalent would be the United States Playing Card Company.
1: That's uh, the one that I found. They, they produce, yeah, you know,
0: bicycle playing cards, uh, yeah. playing cards, B playing cards, all the major brands we'd be familiar with here in the United States. Um, but then you have places like Cartamundi and other, you know, high-end manufacturers as well.
1: So why do you think the the playing card company would get into the chip side of things? It just seems like a natural leap, right? So, I mean, the point with the the, the thing of playing cards, right, is that you open them and that they're, they haven't been fucked with, with the lack of better magical words that I can come up with.
0: Yeah. Ideally, you know, a factory sealed deck would be not tampered with uh, for
1: a number of reasons. So they would have some kind of cred in the business for somebody that's trying to like steal your ring, show you a couple of illusions, pick your pocket. So they would be the people that would supply the cards. So said illusionists could do such thing. And at the same time, be like, hey, we'll supply the chips um, you gamble. Is that where we're going? Or am I <laughs> being too hard on the magicians of the world.
0: I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? I I, I mean, I would just assume it's a logical extension of the business. You know, obviously, playing cards get sold in a retail capacity and in great numbers, but also, you know, in the gaming capacity, tons and tons. And I mean, you know, there are contracts for custom printed decks because, again, much like you don't want counterfeit poker chips, you don't want somebody to bring in matching playing cards if they were able to switch in, say, extra aces or 10 value cards in a game of blackjack, uh, that becomes problematic. So, you know, you go to a casino, they don't use an off the rack deck of playing cards. They use a custom deck that's available only to them, printed only for them. And then if they do sell them like in the gift shops and stuff, they're generally, uh, either have the corners cut off or they have a hole drilled through every single card, uh, to prevent that sort of thing from happening. So again,
1: I think it's it's a Wait, logical that, that extension of the business. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking here where you know the you know 39 millimeters in diameter and eight grams, and they all have this very specific um way of manufacturing, I guess, per casino, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether it be the color, or the playing cards did that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's, you know, the, the chips are the money, but the cards are where the money transfers. So if you, if you can tamper with the cards, mm. uh, then you don't need to worry about counterfeiting the chips. You, you know, if you, again, if you could switch in duplicate cards and increase the odds or change the odds of a game, uh, that's massive or God forbid you switch in a marked deck or marked cards, uh, into a casino environment, uh, That becomes very, very problematic very, very quickly uh, for the casinos,
1: anyway. That's fascinating. And then, and then go a step further, right? That would apply to dice and some other things that are used in these environments of where we're trying to keep the rules, the rules, and keep the playing field level, correct?
0: Yes. And again, you know, the dice are manufactured to a very high standard um, and are unique to each casino. Uh, And they do sell them. Yeah, they do sell them, but they Mm -hmm. are stamped. Well, they're not stamped. They're usually embossed, like canceled, canceled, canceled. So you can identify legitimate dice from that casino versus legitimate dice that were sold secondhand as, as souvenir giveaways and things. Because, you know, over the years, there have been many different ways of cheating with dice, whether that be, you know, magnetic or you know, having lead weights added to certain sides behind the pips on a die to increase the probability that it would fall with a certain side facing up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, They don't use a generic die. They're unique to each and every casino, specifically for that reason. And then there are many ways of testing those dice and, and their balance as well. So there's some rigorous processes that are in place behind the scenes.
1: So in the time that you've been in and out of a thing for years doing illusion and this and that and the other, you, you have you ever come across any counterband like cards that, you know, right out of the gate, like this, this deck's rigged or I mean, because of the thickness of them or whatever.
0: I mean, yeah, but not, not in a gaming environment, not in a casino. Um, you know, I think there was a time or, or so that the stories and legends would say, uh, you know, in Vegas was not the family fun destination that it is today. Oh, it's <laughs> uh, where, where there were some very shady things that went on, but uh, eventually they realized, like security was the most important thing in in keeping the games legitimate. Uh, you know, back when you couldn't just bust kneecaps anymore, you know, go pop people and throw them in the lake. Um, they have a lake. It was a desert. I'm just yeah. But ultimately, um, there's too much money to be made. And in, so to risk it by cheating on the house side is just suicide. Because if that comes out, that, that the house is cheating, you're like you're done. You're sunk. Like The, the money is far more consistent long term if you run an above board operation, which I think is why they take these things so seriously.
1: I mean, that would make sense. And, you know, every family and friends occasion that you get together will have a, a list of things you check before you start playing Monopoly with your friends or family. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't trust anybody.
0: Now, yeah, out in the wild, it like informal poker games or even cash games. I've, I've seen some interesting things over the years. You know, in, back in the day, even like the United States playing card company, well, to this day, they print factory-marked decks. So you could buy a deck of cards from the U.S. playing card company. Um, they used to make them on bicycle stock. So like the the same deck you could buy off the shelf at, say, Walmart or the drugstore or whatnot, you could, if you knew where to go, you could buy a factory-printed, sealed, marked deck. Uh, they no longer do that. Um, so they have very specific back designs, um now that they'll do factory marked cards, but there aren't any of their uh long standing trademarked back designs, I'll say that much. There, there so, were
1: some issues. So for our listeners, so a marked deck or a factory marked deck was what? Like a if you if you knew where to look, you had an advantage?
0: Uh yeah, yeah. If you looked at the back of the cards, then you could um Identify the front of the card by looking at the back. Oh, oh, okay. So, and, you know, there has been various systems over the years for doing that. Uh you know, some of the, without getting into particulars, um, people would use like a matching ink to hand mark the cards. So you could block out parts of the, the white design on the back to code that stuff or... Other methodologies, you know, you'd take a razor blade and shave away parts of the ink on the back of the card. Uh, but to get them printed from the factory, there just weren't any of the telltale signs um, aside from the fact that they were marked. Uh, so there's a thing called the riffle test, which you would hold the pack and riffle the ends. And if they were marked, theoretically, uh, they would kind of function like a flip book so you could see things moving around that didn't match up. So if you have the same design over and over, you riffle, like a flip book, it all looks the same. Nothing changes. But if you riffle a marked deck, you would see the patterns of ink change ever so slightly. But that's one way of telling. And then there were methods designed uh, that used various matte versus um, shiny inks to avoid that. So it depended on how the light hit versus actually altering the back design and so on and so forth, down down the rabbit hole it goes. Uh, I've seen systems as sophisticated as uh, having the edges of the cards marked with, uh, like, infrared ink, essentially, where a device could read the side of the deck. Uh, and so it didn't even need to see the back. So if it could look, if you could point a camera at the side of the deck, then it could interpret the entire order of the deck not just an individual card, and then also tell you, depending on the game you were playing, the outcome for every single player. Um, it, that that stuff gets really interesting if you look at, you know, the magic side versus the gambling side, et cetera, et cetera.
1: And here I thought we were doing a fun episode. Now we're gonna get it. Have to get into a whole fucking thing, and you
0: know, you know. Like- there's lots of money on this. There have been books been that have been written about cheating at playing cards and casinos and whatnot, whether it be that crew from MIT that figured out a way to oh, just pummel that. blackjack into the ground and mm-hmm. but yeah, there's tons and tons and tons of stuff. And it's all it's all so secretive, you know, and you're like, hmm. This stuff's because it's really very very difficult to uh To find the quote unquote, the real work, right? Like there's a lot of conjecture and everything else out there, but finding out what people are actually doing, um, you know, you're always behind the curve unless you're in that life essentially. So you might, you know, the things that we know about that get published or get shared and passed around a little more openly, those are methods that people were using to cheat and now have come to light. And become mainstream, which means, you know, in the upper echelon environments of cheating, these techniques aren't being used anymore um, because people are aware of them. So it's always, you know, this cat and mouse game. It's very fascinating.
1: That's wild. All right, we're going to have to do a whole thing. But since we're trying to keep it light and simple over here, uh, do you want to take a quick break and then come back and talk about the other type of chips we have? Potatoes.
0: Sure. That'll work.
1: All right. So I guess folks uh, sit tight, grab yourself a bag or a can of, um, you know, your favorite product. And uh, we're just going to end on a, on a fun thing with a rant. Of course,
0: (laughs) there's always a rant at some point in time. Yeah. All right.
1: We'll be right back. We'll be right back.
0: God damn it. A double welcome back to the Fourteen Questions podcast. Mm-hmm. Since we took a technical difficulty break early on, after our technical difficulty hour pre-recording uh, hour, damn near it felt like it.
1: Yeah, maybe it was less. I don't know. But here we are. So we're gonna we're gonna have to circle back around these um, poker chips and some other things. No, oh, because well,
0: there are some really fun things eh? we get. We, got to talking about marked cards and loaded dice and stuff. And I'm like, we didn't even get into the like scams and cons that have gone on with poker chips, which are I'll some, there's some really
1: interesting ones for sure. Well, we got to talk about serious stuff. So we wanted to put potatoes back in the headlines. So for the listeners, list,
0: oh, if we go with potato head there, that was real subtle.
1: Well, you know, it hasn't been but a fucking year, right? That they were screaming about a plastic potato in the hollowed halls of Congress of the United States.
0: Has that only been a year? I feel like it was two years now. I, I, Wasn't that in twenty twenty? I think it was twenty twenty when they were screaming about plastic potatoes and stuff. Surely they wouldn't do that.
1: Well, um, potato head. I don't know if they figured out how to gender it yet. Apparently, potatoes potato. I mean, I, I don't know. There's, there's,
0: I mean, no why do no they call it potato thing. head? Because it's a potato with appendages. So it's really potato body. Um.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean if you the potato potato thing started w- way before people really got in their argument about, you know, is it a potato or is it a potato? I mean, I guess they're still arguing about that. You know, serious shit, folks. I mean, at that point, let's
0: call the whole thing
1: off. Can I put a warning out here before we get into this ending section of the podcast? Fire away. Okay. So folks, it, I don't know if you ever follow me on Twitter with 14 questions. I don't get into this, but every once in a while, I think there should be a rule on Twitter. You don't, you don't tweet about things. You don't post pictures of food at certain times. Cause it makes you hungry. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. And even just as recently as last week, somebody was doing like breakfast for dinner. and I'm like, oh, shit. And now, now you've completely wrecked what I had in mind. But you know, it turned out. So, I mean, I'm, I digress. I mean, we're going to talk about potato chips, so that's my warning. <laughs> we're going to talk about potato chips, and we have none of them in my studio. Do you have any in your studio?
0: No, I don't. I, I man, I. Don't get me wrong. What? I love a good potato chip. I don't keep them at the house. It's very, very infrequent that I have a bag of chips around. Really? Yeah, I don't. I tend to not keep any snack foods around.
1: Like, there may be like a bag of nuts. Okay. Well, we won't. We won't no. get into that. Well, not in this episode. But.
0: <laughs> it is what it is. I just, I don't, you know, I, I like to eat, so... When I sit down to eat, I eat, and then uh, I know that I like to eat, so I try not to have anything around that I will mindlessly graze upon with my cow
1: brain. <laughs> You're killing me here because, like, Teddy, Teddy's jumping around the studio now. I think he actually realizes the word. He's triggering on the word potato because, you know, I have a, I have a bag of, you know, sea salt, salt, salt and vinegar chips that I had this wild craving for. Anyhow, I digress. So, anyhow, I have this fantastic bag that been, and I have no idea why I got this craving, but for salt and vinegar chips. And, you know, sea salt. And, you are going to try to stay healthy, but again, I'm getting hungry, so I'm digressing. The fellow that was given, or, or, or the attributed inventor, if you just put this in a generalized Google search is a guy called George Crumb, 1853, my friend.
0: George Crumb, and he'd have been better off inventing the cookie then.
1: I know, and I don't <laughs> even think, well, so it's it, long story. He was an African-American chef, worked at Moon Lake Lodge Resort. I mean, this is the number one thing you hit in Google, in Saratoga Springs, New York. And people can at me and say they're completely wrong about this. But apparently, they were known for french fries. And, you know, one day one was too thick. And then the story goes on from there. Interesting. Apparently. Yeah.
0: Just shave them, shave them, shave them down. Extra thin,
1: extra crispy. And go from there. Now, for the other folks that listen to us, in other countries because we have a tendency to want to own history over here. Um, You can go to some other references online and then, you know, chips, that's sort of uh, a UK term. So there's a, there's a lot of discussion about actually who did this. And then was it deep fried or baked? You know, it's in. Yeah. And again, you can, you can read through the Wikipedia's it's, it's worth a, it's worth a read. Because we're talking about a market that's sixteen point four nine billion as of two thousand and five billion with a B. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's a lot of potatoes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Apparently the uh, the crumb story doesn't hold water. Yeah, I'm going with. I don't want to. I want to diss a story, and <laughs> you can have a world famous hamburger, and maybe it's not really world famous. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, over here on the 14 questions, we usually cite our references, but we have not spent a month researching the potato chip yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it better be a slow month. If we, if we get down to that or
1: that, better that and it's going to be one, one that's really bad for the waistline, you know? Yeah. We'll wait for the winter or something dipping chips and who invented that. But yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Now I I have, I've got to admit once in a while, and I'm fascinated about this and this is almost worth a full episode, but if you want to get into the particulars of the potato chip, I got to bring up Pringles. I'm sorry. I don't even classify Pringles as a potato chip. Are you, are we going to get into an argument? I mean, this I, could,
0: don't get me wrong. Curious. Don't get me wrong.
1: I'll, I'll slam a can of Pringles
0: the same as any other. <laughs> However, like the Pringle is to potato chips what the chicken nugget is to chicken breasts. Like it ain't a potato Why? chip. It's that, reconstituted potato.
1: Like <laughs> it is an engineering feat, my friend. Okay, I, no one's arguing that. I mean, what's a lot of the food? It's more you know, a potato look, cake. Depending where you look in the aisle of the grocery store, engineering comes to mind. All right. So I don't really give a shit that it's made out of dehydrated potatoes, rice, corn, and some other really interesting ingredients. I'm telling you.
0: Then why aren't you arguing that it's a tortilla chip since there's corn in there?
1: Because the can's about the size of what a potato would fit in if I had to fit a potato into a can. And I'm like, obviously this is a potato pick from the ground, and somebody that's really talented slices it perfectly and somehow bakes them and does some magical shit and stuffs them back in the can and sometimes gives them magical flavors. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: Again, I'm I'm no one's arguing that Pringles aren't delicious. I'm just saying I wouldn't wouldn't constitute them as a uh, potato chip. It's a facsimile. It's like if you went on one of those um, baking shows where they try and make cakes that look like things they aren't. That's what a potato chip is. It's something else. Or that's what a Pringle is, I should say.
1: No, even the logo looks like a chef. We're we're talking about.
0: And and they're still imposters.
1: because what he was—it's a fake mustache on a fucking logo. No, I mean look at the logo. That is obviously modeled after whoever found the first potato and sliced it perfectly. I mean, maybe we should have reached out to P and G or Kellogg's, which is the current owner. I mean,
0: perhaps we should have. But
1: again, it's not a potato chip. It's something else. I think, I think it's a del- delicious potato chip and and all natural. You know. No, no sodium added, fat-free. Yeah, it's got to be.
0: No, oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, the Pringle is the penultimate
1: health food. So, oh, I mean, in, You know, other than the, 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 the terminology, all right, just to school the people over there at the um, actual place that puts a potato in a can, the newfangled language that you use in some of this stuff, um, you probably don't want to use. I would say fully natural potato fit in can, and it was discovered by I don't know the the logo with the mustache. <laughs> Much better. Approach. A mustache and a bow tie. Or or, or why haven't they done a, why haven't they done an ad where you know. Somebody's talking to their small child, and the the can goes empty, and they simply take the can out to the backyard and put it into their above vegetable planter, and then all of a sudden there's like five or six fucking cans in a week or two with the right sunlight. I think it's brilliant.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh man, I'm looking at Pringles flavors right now. You know, you, you want to talk about Pringle? I can't. I'm like, talk. oh, a spare rib flavor. They made a spare rib flavor. At one point in time, I uh, smoked salami, a prawn cocktail flavor, Philly cheesesteak, paprika. I'd get down on that. Mm. Uh, Cheesesteak. Mustard flavored mozzarella stick and marinara. Bacon Caesar salad flavored
1: Pringles. barbecue chicken. all, All the food groups. It's all of it. Yeah. I mean, you can literally have a steak a salad. It, it, it's like a four course dinner. Here's, here's a, here's a three
0: pack soft shell crab, grilled shrimp and seaweed flavored. <laughs> Clearly uh, I'm, I'm going to
1: go out on a limb and say those were for an Asian market. Maybe uh, possibly. Yeah. This is, this is, I'm going to go one step further. And you can use this vegetable. All right. So honestly, this is the vegetable. <laughs> You can use it in other cooking. So if you want a peanut butter stan- sandwich, and I think I might have done this at some point in time, what you do, because there's not a vegetable there, is you stuff it with the Pringles chips.
0: <laughs> and, and, don't, um, don't get me wrong. A, a peanut butter and potato chip sandwiches, uh, it's a brilliant thing.
1: Because it's crunchy, delicious, and it delivers a vegetable.
0: Yeah, but if you want to do it right, you, you throw your Pringles in a Ziploc bag, hit them with a meat mallet, until it's like a Pringles flower, and then you just lay that upon the sandwich. It it avoids the crumb factor. You know, you get a nice, even coating. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant.
1: There's actually a casserole recipe here that they talk about your methodology. This is fascinating. We're not a cooking podcast, but maybe we need to talk to a cooking podcast about exactly how this works. When you're working with really fine vegetables.
0: <laughs> Only the finest. Only Re- fine. Reconstituted rice, corn, and potato cakes.
1: It's a vegetable. That's all I'm going to say. I think we should leave it there because I'm now really hungry. Well, there you go. All right, folks. Um, we, we, we take no, I mean, other than maybe making you ha- hungry, we didn't make anybody hangered. If you are Go eat a vegetable. That's all I got to say. Or an entire can thereof. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to leave it there until next time. Until next time.
0: Got questions? Need answers? Find them on the 14 Questions Podcast.
1: Welcome to our podcast, where we, along with our frequent guests, will be answering your questions regarding a wide variety of topics, including current events, lifestyle, politics, and, of course, popular culture. The Fourteen Questions podcast is brought to you by Podhouse Media and Dive Pod Productions.
0: Be sure to find us on the web at 14questions.org, on Twitter at The 14 Questions, look us up on Facebook at 14 Questions, and of course, find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.